listening to Cooper Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. i got to tell you something, people. My guest today is quite the talented gentleman. You may know him as the frontman of the very influential band Living Color. You may also know that he was in the movie Platoon, directed by a very acclaimed director. He's been involved in a lot of projects, but his latest project is Soul Saver, which has a really important message and is doing a lot with the song House Arrest. And my guest is Corey Glover. How you doing? Good. So uh, I want to hear, I, I listened to the song, uh, The House Arrest, very good, really good, uh, really good groove. Um, tell me about how did, how did this whole project come to fruition? Well, um, I've known, I've known Jamie for a long time. He, he's, he's a close family friend, basically. And uh, he sort of hit me to what Joe was doing, and I, and I knew the guy from Black 47. He's one of the newer members from that. And, uh, so it was like folks I knew. It was very comfortable sort of situation. We all lived in a general vicinity of each other, two, two different states. I live in New York and they live in Connecticut. But um, we, uh, it was a relative ease in order to get the information to each other. And the song started out with this groove and Joe had this whole idea about quarantine and lockdown and and the things it would bring about and the ideas and the uh, issues that would come about because you're stuck in a place for longer than you need to be in some cases. Now, how have you, how has the house, you know, everything quarantine, uh, pandemic, how's it affected you creatively? Because everyone says it's different. Like in the first month, they're like, oh, we're going crazy. Then all of a sudden they started relaxing and their mind started expanding. How's it affected you? Back to the song "House Arrest." It, it goes out. You know, I know some of the movie, money's going to rain. You seem to be. Are you? Are you a political guy? Because I know I've seen your Facebook. You, you really pushed the vote. And and the thing is, when I saw you pushing the vote, you know, I grew up. I've always voted. And then you look at the numbers and you see like fifty or sixty percent people voted. And to me and my friends, it's common sense. I mean, just because we—that's what we know. What made you get involved with the voting and pushing people to vote? Have you always been a—you've pretty much been a political guy, right? Well, I've always—I've always felt like I've always been a part of the process. My parents really pushed that sort of idea with me um, that they were part of the process. They worked the polls during election time. I was born just—I I was planned. I was a planned birth, and I had to do—they had to do it. Before or after the election because that's how important it was for them um and and, and they instilled that in me that you can't you, there's no reason to complain if you're not participating there's no reason to not be a part of the process and doesn't matter which side you're on I, 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 I'm not I'm not partisan that way I feel like be a part of the process and let 
that let let the ideas and the truth of the ideas shake out in that process. Now, how have you seen how you can influence people voting? Is there any 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 answer that certain techniques you try to take that helps people sit there and go, "We're going to get out and do it." Just go out and do it. Do it. I mean, if you're old enough, do it. I, I when I when I was of age to vote, as I said, I was uh, I was born around election time. So when I became of age to vote, I went from the club to the polling place. Literally, I I got out of the club at five o'clock in the morning and walked my ass to the the, the, the my polling station. So it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult to do. I know sometimes it, it seems like it's difficult to do, but it's not. It's and it's the easiest thing you can do to show exactly where you are. And, and and it's it's the price you pay for citizenship. It's the price you pay for living here. It's a very simple thing to do. I mean, I know you're paying taxes and all that stuff, but this is a real, 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 real way to participate in that idea. Now, back to the Soul Saver song. Um, mm. The proceeds go to rain. I wanted to ask you, in the middle of the song... It sounds like a, a hotline. Someone's talking. Is that an actual call of something, or is that something that you did in the studio? I think that there's something that they did in the studio. That wasn't the part of that. I think I, I believe that's. A, I believe that's a. I don't believe that's real. I don't think that's real. Now, what got you into the music business? I know you're an actor. I want to. I want to talk to you about Platoon because. I remember seeing you. I remember the, the videos were coming out of uh, Living Color. And I was like, oh, my God, that's that's Corey. What got you into yeah. Did you get into acting as a young kid? I mean, how did you end up in that movie? Well, I've been a, I was an actor. I've been an actor since I was about 14 or 15 years old. Um, but what's interesting is that I've been a singer since I was about six or seven years old. So singing has been has been around longer, but I've always been an actor. And I auditioned. I did plenty. Of, I did lots of commercials. I was always an extra in, on something. Um, so I this, this this that was my chosen profession. I was a professional actor. Um, and depending on where I was in my life, one singing was a sideline, and acting was was the main gig. And then there was singing was the main gig, and acting was the sideline. So it's all been there constantly. And so I've been doing this. Like I said, I've been doing this forever. Now, did the platoon, did you have to audition? And what was it like shooting that movie? Yeah, I auditioned for it. It was one of many auditions. I've auditioned for many movies and many kind of many TV shows and all kinds of stuff. And the thing about this particular movie, it had been in the pipeline for a very long time. Um, the idea of them making this, this movie um, happened a bunch of times. So they auditioned people all the time. And I had auditioned, I had gotten a call back, and then I heard nothing about it for a while. And then one day I got a phone call from my manager saying, they're interested in you for Platoon, um, because the guy that got the job decided he didn't want to do it. So I was somebody's replacement, uh, which is basically the story of my life. Um, and so I was, it was a sort of a whirlwind. They called me on a Monday. I was on a plane on a Tuesday, and I was in the Philippines Wednesday morning. And we sh and I was there for, in the Philippines for three months shooting Platoon. It was it was it was amazing. It was amazing for my very first time working on a feature film. And everybody on that set 
were, all the actors for the most part, were new to the business, relatively new. They were all actors and they were all seasoned professionals, but they had not, not, a lot of them had not done a feature film of this kind ever. So we're a bunch of newbies in this situation, which sort of lent itself to the idea of what Platoon was about, which is about a, a, a platoon of soldiers and how they how they would deal with in an adverse situations. And I feel like we pulled it off. Now, how was the camaraderie on the set? Because you are a bunch of young guys. You're in the Philippines. I mean, you're in the Philippines for three months. It's not like, hey, you know what? You're going to uh, Vancouver to shoot a show for uh, a week. Right, right, right. So it, we became brothers. We were all we we banded together. There's a there's a uh, there's a documentary out about the making of Platoon and the guys that are in Platoon, and it's you can find it on Amazon right now. Um, and we all sort of bonded because it was a crucible of fire because the minute we got there they put us in boot camp and we had to have basic training so we had to dig our own foxholes we had to we had to clean our own uh, our own weapons we had to we had to learn how to, to do ambushes we had we had 40 mile 40 click hikes we did all that stuff we constant we constantly were working we were we were a working platoon by the time the cameras were even rolled we were there for two and a half weeks, three weeks before the cameras even rolled, just to be prepared for the, the, the shoot. So it caused us to really be to bond with each other, to really sort of get to know one another. We, uh, you know, we a lot of us were musicians, you know, and and so we started a band. We would take over the lounge band, the lounge band in the hotel's equipment, and we start playing. I mean. We became we became really good friends. All of us re- become really good friends, and we, and even now when we see each other, and and understand this is thirty almost forty years later down the line, we're still really close, really really close. Well, I've heard that. I mean, I heard you know, several, you know, even you see that on hit TV shows when a set, you know, everyone becomes close, the crew, the cast, everyone comes close. And it's because as you guys, you were sharing, you were basically in the service. I mean, you were doing. It wasn't like hey, when there's a grip setting something up. It's like no. Dig your own hole. Um, exactly. Now, now, how did how did you end up in Living Color? Um, I was uh, it, it, it happenstance is how I got into Living Color. Uh, a friend of mine, girl I used to date, was having a birthday party on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and she invited me to this party, and subsequently. Vernon Reed, the guitar player from Living Color, was there with his sister, who was her friend. And we had, we were all sort of congregating, talking, laughing, giggling. A wheel out of cake, and the girl says, I don't want anybody to sing happy birthday to me. I want Corey to sing happy birthday. So that's what I did. I sang happy birthday. And Vernon and I struck up a conversation afterwards. A couple of weeks later, he called me up. He He's looking for a singer for his band. Would I mind coming over and checking out some of his music? So I did, and the rest, as they say, is history. What do you think made Living Color? What made you guys so popular? I mean, you know, you guys just blew up on the scene. I mean, it was a matter of, you know, you were you had a different look. You had a different sound. I mean, what do you think? Was it MTV starting to play you? I mean, what would you say was the, the, the main reason that you all of a sudden became very popular? 
Um, we were very, 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 very fortunate. We had a, a, a team of people at, at the record company that was very into the idea of what we were doing and what we were trying to say. Um, we were not afraid of hard work. Was the other thing. We would go. We'd get in a van and travel across the country. Now, um, it seemed like it was overnight success for us. It was not. It took a while. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it didn't take a very long time, but it took a while. And we were very fortunate in that we had we had made a video before we made Cult's Personality, and we, we went on the road touring for months at a time um, and playing everywhere and anywhere we could at first. And, you know, we had this that one song that people seemed to really sort of gravitate toward. Um, as far, and this is in, back in the day when radio was really king. It wasn't about MTV. It wasn't about, there was no internet. So it was about, radio was king. And when people played, the radio stations played the, our songs, we get phones, which is people calling up and asking, who is that and what is that? So that sort of helped us along. And then we had, then we put out the video for Cult's Personality, and there was a visual aspect connected to that song that they heard, and they now they understand. And, you know, the biggest sort of question was, you know, are they going to accept what they see? And we were really up to that, for that conversation, you know, that about the idea that here are four black men playing, you know, heavy rock music. And... We had we had no compunction about it. Will it? Will the rest of the world? And that was that, and that came became a part of its allure. I think was that we have we're we are coming closer to to transcending the idea of music having a racial component. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that I think we're still in that that, that space, but. At the time, it looked like we could we were about to achieve a goal. Now, how did the record companies look at that? Because, you know, record companies, it's all about business. And as you said, you know, there was an allure, but it's also, it's a chance we're taking. Were you toasted by the record companies? I mean, were you like, oh, like, oh we got to get sign these guys? Or did it take you a while to get a good deal? It took us a while to get a, a good deal. It really did. You know, people were very, very interested in what we were doing. And, uh, and they... You know, they understood that the music was compelling. They understood that we, as individuals and as a, as a collective, were something to, to not to, to take very seriously. You know, we were all, um, Vernon had started the Black Rock Coalition, basically to put the, the industry on notice that there, that, that rec- music does not, should not have, should not be segregated. And just as much as there are, as the music was started by people of color, it should include people of color at that particular point in time, and still does. So that so any record company coming towards us knew that that was that that was our politic. That was our, our politics. That we were trying to break down the color barrier that existed within the music industry. So if they were coming to us, 
they were coming knowing that that's where we were coming that's how we were going to approach this idea um we also had again we also had a, a lot of help because we had we had met and befriended Mick Jagger who was very interested in what we were doing and how we were doing it and understood just how integral what we were doing was how a part of the scene that was necessary there and with his blessings people became even more interested and like you said that people saw dollar signs if they, if, if Mick Jagger can sees, sees how the efficacy of, of a band like Living Color who else wouldn't now how for you as a frontman? Because I always think, you know, you can't you can't take a class how to be a frontman. You know, you either have it or you're not. You know, how was it for you going from, you know, you were playing, you guys were working your ass off, playing smaller gigs, touring, then all of a sudden you start building up, and then I know you open for the Stones. How did you evolve as a frontman? And at any point during that evolving, were you were you scared or intimidated a little bit by the size of a crowd? Yeah, you could be. You could be intimidated by it all, but what what I had going for me was my acting training, which was which was just theatrical training. So you're you are doing what you're doing so that the person in the last row in the back can hear you and see. So you have to project your voice. You have to project your persona, given what what the music is saying, to the to the back of the room. And that doesn't you could be in a stadium. You could be in a closet. You have to be able to control where your where you, your thoughts and your feelings are being projected out to. So I'm not saying I was really good at it at first. I probably was not. I, I, I'm almost guaranteed I was not very good at it. But I had. To, but it was a, again, I was a crucible of fire. I, I I was thrown into it, and I had to make it work. I had to make it work. The the music would not allow me not to make it work. Now. With the music, because you had a great sound, it was hard, it was different. What were your influences as a younger kid when you were starting to get into music and deciding to sing? I mean, what did you think you would eventually sing? Did you think it would be a hard rock, or what were your influences? Oh, I, I, I like I liked everything. Um, but I did love rock music. I did love hard rock music. I, I, I did love ACDC. I, you know, I, I, I did love Cream and uh, the Doobie Brothers, and I loved what I loved the Rolling Stones. What I loved about it was when they melded certain things together. Like when you saw that, you know, what, for what it's worth, when they took ideas that came from disco or R&B or from the blues and infused it into this music. That's, a, that's how rock and roll got started, when somebody took the blues and turned it up to 12, you know. So I was always in, I always loved to hear that kind of thing where people knew that, that knew their roots and, and would use their roots and and use it as a platform to move, to reach even higher to move even further. Um, the most uh, my biggest influence as a singer um, was really Michael Jackson as a kid. Like in the Jackson Five was like he is my favorite singer of all time. Um, I also, because of, as a theater, with a theater angle, I saw Jesus Christ Superstar 
Carl Anderson and said, I want to do that. I want to be that guy. Um, because the way he sang it and and the songs were there's a rock songs and he had a bluesy sort of uh very down home kind of thing against this rock rock music. That's what I loved about you know listening to the Rolling Stones that they did that all the time. That's what that's what Aerosmith does to this day. Um, so yeah, those are a lot. I I I gotta say I got a lot of influence. Well, that's good. I think, you know, I mean, I think we're around the same age, so it was just different music back then. You know, yeah. there was so much to listen to, and I had my older brother who had Chicago albums and Steely Dan, and I had my friends. Absolutely. Steely Dan was a, was a major influence to me. I love the Steely Dan. Yeah, I just listened the other day to Asia. I, was, I posted on Facebook. I said, I'm, it's a rainy day in New Jersey. What should I listen to? And someone said Asia, and I forgot how great of an album that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just, to, just in how it sounds. Oh, the Royal Scam is also a really good album. Just the album, just as a as a piece, as a whole piece, incredible, incredible. Now, the first album for you guys is a hit. What is it like when you start becoming a star? I mean, because you guys were, you were everywhere. You know, you were on SNL, which back then SNL made a difference when people played. You were, you know, mm-hmm. you, you were on MTV in the heavy rotation. What's it like for? Now you're an actor, so you know you know how to be in a role. That's one thing. But all of a sudden. You're not on set. Every day your life is somewhat of a role because people recognize you. How does a younger guy handle that? And how do you not build, get an ego? Because we can all say we're not going to get an ego, but if we're young and we're famous, there's got to be a little bit of an ego that hits you. Oh, yeah, that'll hit you. But you have, there are lots of factors that will keep your ego in check. My family and my friends kept my ego in check. I mean, I came off the road. I tell the story all the time. I came off the road of the, with the Rolling Stones. I'm on the biggest tour in the world at that particular point in time. I'm home for a break for a couple of days. And the rock star got handed a bucket of paint and a paintbrush and said, go prank the front stoop. So, and my friends would drive by and go, hey, rock star, I see, I, see you got, I see you got your old job back. You know, so it really, it wasn't, keeping my ego in check was rather easy in some cases. You know, my, you know, my 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 idea about what I was doing was that yeah it was important but in the grand scheme of things it's there to entertain hopefully somebody will get some the message will get through but what you're there to do is to entertain people um so let's know that when you're when it's time to entertain you're entertained when it's time to paint the stoop you paint the stoop you know there's a difference now what was the pressure to ha- on the second album because your first album was a hit. You won a Grammy. I mean, everyone says there's always pressure because, you know, people don't know, you know, record, record companies are all about money. You know, every, the people, a lot of people don't know. You did this big video. Guess what? The band's paying for it. It's coming out of their advance. People don't know. <laughs> what is it like when you guys go in studio for the, for the second album? Because you won a Grammy. You're popular. What, what, what's your focus and what were they asking of you?
we were trying to make the ne- we were trying to make the next Living Color record. Um, and that that all of this all of these things were in an effort to keep moving, to move forward, not to move laterally, but to keep going as far ahead as to get as far ahead as we possibly could from where we started. Now, the album was had good success. Was it enough for the record company, or did they sit there and start formulating what you need to do on your third album? No, no, they did not. They were like, Let, let's concentrate on, on the task at hand. And like I said, we were very fortunate to have a record company that understood that sort of thing, that understood what we were trying to do, that we weren't trying to be an overnight success, nor were we trying to, to you know, sort of just sort of cookie-cutter our way into making music that our emotions and where we are and how we how we saw the world changed from from time from the point at which we started to the point at which we were at at that particular point in time so and that and the music has to reflect that now then after the third album you guys go your separate ways what what caused that was it a different in musical taste what direction you wanted to go or was it something that you guys were together already for a long time and you were growing yeah we burned out you know we you know we don't around when we start to work like we make a record and we get on the road we make a record we get on the road and 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 then we go back and make another record and in the, in the meantime our lives at home are falling apart to a large degree a lot of things are going going on that we needed need to break and I don't think we I, I think we all knew that when the band sort of took took a hiatus that it was not it was only going to be temporary that at some point we're going to get back together and at some point we're going to do it do this again we just need to be you just need some time to to recuperate and to and to recharge our batteries now how did you go about doing that what was your technique of recharging i made my own record um (laughs) i went into the studio and started making, started writing and recording a new album, of my own album called Hymns. And I started that in my apartment, really. Like I'd invite friends over who I, who I admire as musicians and friends of mine that were local guys. And we sat around and jammed and we started making music and we started making um, really good music, I think. And it was to reflect you know, my influences, you know, that, that I listened to Bill Withers and Al Green growing up. And I try, I was trying to make that a part of that kind of music personally. Plus, I was, and, 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 and like I said, I, and I listened to Steely Dan and the Dewey Brothers and I listened to all kinds of stuff. And I was trying to make a record that reflected that part of my personality. Now, is it, and, a- and I was doing some acting as well. I was doing some music doing some musical theater um i was doing some movie stuff i just i tried to keep i I kept busy and didn't have the didn't have to think constantly about what living color needed and or wanted so you're basically developing on your creative side without the pressure it was it was something where you could say i can do this i can do that what is it like recording a solo album though when you've been involved with a group i mean is how do you find the musicians to play on your album? You said you had people come over, but did you sit there and go, hey guys, I want you to lay down this track, or did you put a band together, or what did you do? 
together of people, again, people that I knew, and I made that the focus. That it, the focus was if we were all working in the same in, in the same sort of area, if we're going all going in the same direction, the music will reflect that, and that's what was necessary for me. So you're doing the solo thing now. How eventually does Living Color get back together? What happened? It didn't take didn't take much. Didn't take long, you know. And you know, we, it, it, the thing had been in the works forever. Um, I mean, ever since we had stopped working stop working together we was like okay when are we going to do this when are we going to do this is now a good time no now it's not a good time I got, I, I got all sorts of stuff I got to do and we were constantly talking to each other about when and how we would do it and finally we did and it worked and we just kept going from then on we just moved you know I don't I, 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 I don't have particular dates or times or anything like that but I knew like I said I knew we were going to work this out and we were going to work together and we're not we we're never going to not work together but we just needed some time off and i think we had a sufficient amount of time off and then we went back to work did you feel revitalized when you guys got back together finally you got to get absolutely. the shit out of your head absolutely absolutely we got we got a chance to really sort of observe rather than be a part of to sit back and look back at, at what we were doing and say Okay, that worked. That didn't work. This worked. That didn't work. We can shit can that. We can move that over there. We can put this over here. But and really utilize the resources that we had that we didn't take take advantage of when we were before we took the break. Now you get back together, but then Jesus Christ Superstar, you mentioned earlier, it comes up. How did that come about? And first of all, it must have been something that you probably said, "I have to do this because that was an influence." Did they approach you, or, you know, you're back with the band? I mean, how did it come up? They looked, you know, I, I was doing, like I said, when they when, when were taking a break, I was doing this show, this, uh, this off-Broadway thing um, downtown in Manhattan, down on Bleecker Street for a while, and some, some of the producers had seen me in that, and... They were, and 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 heard, basically heard heard my biography and me talking about how Superstar was the thing I've always wanted to do, and they called me up and said we we do we're mounting a tour of Jesus Christ Superstar and we're going to have Ted Neely from the movie in it and we'd like you to audition. So I did. I auditioned several times and I finally worked. Finally auditioned with Ted, which was amazing because this is like. A dream come true for me, and boom, I'm doing it, and I'm I'm happy with it. I'm I couldn't be happier with making this, doing that show. That was the best time in my life, really. Well, what was the contrast? Because in in music, you're playing a tour, you're playing the same, mm-hmm. you're playing a set list. In acting, you're still performing every night, but it's probably you're giving a lot more than just singing because you have to do everything. Mentally, how did you take the whole? I mean, being on a stage play is grueling as hell. I mean, you guys every night, and it's not like okay, you can take a night off. You have to deliver because if you don't, you're screwing the screwing the rest of the cast over. What was it like for you? Like every night, I mean, was it easier because you had the background of going and playing in front of huge stadiums and places, or was it harder because you're like this is about the whole cast now? 
making art is a collective process that I have to work as hard as anybody else does. Like, I can't slack off, so the drummer can't slack off, so my castmates can't, can't slack off. If I'm giving them 110%, they got to they gotta match it and do better so that I can match it and do better for, for them. So it was a very familiar sort of thing. It's just a, a larger sort of situation with a lot more people that, that were involved. But it was extremely, extremely familiar for me just to be able to say, yeah, I understand that. And to approach it, to, to like I said, to use my... Uh, use the things that I learned as an actor in this situation it was very 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 helpful My and using what I know as a musician in a rock band doing a rock opera was very helpful as well now did the production rap or did you decide to leave it no the production rapped um, I left but I did it, it, they did try to continue it on after, after me but um, it, it stopped they stopped production and then I started working with Living Color, so they were like, I, we, we're not going to do it. We won't do it. We'll do it without you. So it's fine. Go. With, with my blessing. Now, did you, you're working with Living Color, but did you sit there thinking of pursuing other avenues of the acting or trying to get on Broadway? Because you have a name, you have the credits, and it's something that people, it's one of those selling points with Corey, Color, Corey Glover from Living Color. You know, it's one of those things that it's, it could possibly be, a, did you think about doing that at all? I did think about doing it, and, I, and, and I'm still thinking about doing it. I'd love to do some Broadway. Um, anybody who's, if there's anyone looking to do that kind of stuff, I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, the opportunities have not have not presented themselves lately, um, but if they did, I would. You know, I, I have no problem. I would have loved to have been. You know, I don't know how I would have fit into something like Hamilton or anything like that. But you know, I I, I would love to do some more Broadway. And do some legit Broadway. Right now, there is no legit Broadway right. because everything shuts down. But you know, um, but if and when it comes back, I'd love to do some. Now, have you thought about pursuing TVs and movies at all? I mean, you know, because you seem like a guy. You, you, you're an actor and a musician. You got a lot of quality. You can tell you're talented because you've had success at both. But have you thought about saying, "Hey, you know what? Maybe I should go to LA during pilot season or anything like that"? I did that once. I did go to LA during pilot season a couple times, and. They were not very interested in me. I don't know why. Um, I, I again, work is work. I, I loved. I love the work, and working is paramount. And if there's work to be had, I'll love to do it. Now, what's the future of Living Color? I mean, you guys, you know, you're still recording. Is it something that? You guys do it, but I know you've had projects with George Lynch. You've got other projects. What is the? How does it fall into to Corey's circle of life? Whatever comes up, comes up. Um, Living Color is my priority, without question. So when Living Color needs something to be done, I'm there for it. Um, and I, as, I, as you said, I have other projects. I'm doing this thing with Joe and everybody in this, in this Soul Saver thing. I'm, I'm working with George Lynch with Ultraphonics. I'm doing this other band um, uh, called Disciples of Verity, which is this metal band I'm, I'm working with. I'm also working with Mike Orlando from um, amazing, amazing, amazing guitar player. Um, I'm doing my own, still doing my own solo work. You know, I got stuff to do, you know, when there's, when, and depending on who needs 
helps me win, I'm there. How do you keep your head focused on like the different projects? Because they're all different kinds of sounds. You got to sit there and deliver it one day. Do you sit there and go, hey, today is I'm going to work with George Day, and this I'm going to work on this? Or how do you keep it all focused? Well, it's it's all part of the, a bigger plan. This, all I'm doing is I'm, I'm working my gifts. I'm using my gifts to the best of my abilities and looking at whatever situation that I'm in and trying to use as much as of what I have to, to give the, the best I got. Now, have you ever thought about writing a musical for yourself, like a rock opera, because you have that background? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I've thought about writing stuff, not for myself. I've been, I've written some, other, I've written some things that I think um, would be very interesting, but they're not, they're not supposed, they're not specifically for me. How do you, how do you keep up the? The, the schedule you have I mean do you eat well do you I mean you sit there you know you've been you've been in the business for a long time you've had a different projects you've done a lot of things how you know you're you're 55 or 56 right now how do you how do you, how do you keep how do you keep yourself in shape somewhat because you know as we get older you know you wake up and you're like oh crap my back hurts or this you know and you sit there yeah. how how are you how are you keeping yourself in shape Well, that's awesome, man. Um, tell me, tell, give us, give some promotions. What's going on? What, what can people look for? Where can people find you? Just anywhere on the socials. Um, it's usually under my name. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm everywhere you can. You need to find me. Um, just writing my name down in in the search engine, and you'll find me there. Great. So, people, please check out Corey. Go check out Loving Color. Check out Corey. Check out uh, his latest project. It's great. The song House Arrest. And check out my website, coopertalk.net. You can find over 800 episodes. Email me at cooper at coopertalk.net. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time.